If you've never been to our church before, um, we thank you for being here. And uh, just know what's coming. I'm just, I'm just trying to, in a couple of subtle ways, let you guys know what's coming. Uh, I, I'm passionate about America's team, and uh, we pray for America's team, and we love America's team, amen? And um, I don't just bring these up here for that, but uh, I want to share something with you guys. Uh, really quickly, have you ever been ashamed of something that you've done before? Raise your hand if you've ever been ashamed of something that you've done. Every hand should be up right now. If your hand is not up, then you are a liar and you are in church, so you're in the right place. Amen? We're excited that you're here. But uh, my wife this morning uh, was sharing with me as she was rolling up my shirt sleeve. She says, I've had the honor of doing this for five years. And uh, next week would be uh, not our anniversary, but we met five years ago. And so I'm very thankful for that. But I don't think she realized or understood what she was getting herself into when we got together. Uh, because I know when I'm up here, uh, I seem so reformed and refined. And um, that's true about 90% of the time. But there is that 10% of me that just gets a little bit crazy. And uh, unfortunately, my wife has to live through those moments because uh, it's usually not at church. It's usually in other places where that 10% comes out. And uh, I just want to share one of those moments with you. It was the winter of 2016. I remember it so vividly uh, because we were on our way to uh, Holiday in the Park at Six Flags, and we were actually on our way to meet Pastor Chris and Nancy, okay? And so while we're in the car on our way to Six Flags, uh, I, I, I'm on Facebook, social media, and I see on social media that the greatest quarterback, Tony Romo, was going to be there or that he was already there. And so to my excitement, I'm ready. I'm like in the car and I'm like, bam, bam, bam. Tony's going to be there. Like Tony, like me and Tony are like on that level with each other. And I'm like, Tony's going to be there. And she's already kind of like preparing herself like, oh my gosh, uh, don't do anything stupid, okay? Uh, and so I'm like, can't make any promises. Tony's there. And so we're there and we get there and, and, and the devil was really coming after me that day because we get on this ride. Anybody ever been on the Yosemite Sam ride, the little slow boat that kind of goes through? You ever been on that ride? Yeah, well, we're on that ride and as we're finishing uh, about to get out, it breaks down. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't because I'm a big guy or anything. It's because the devil was trying to stop me from meeting Tony. I, and that's what I knew. I looked at her and I said, the devil doesn't want me and Tony to see each other today, babe. And uh, so we're there and uh, the, the ride finally gets fixed about 20 minutes later. And so we get off and... I blame her for this, but we go and we're, we're doing the sledding. And Pastor Chris can verify all of this. We go do the ice sledding. We're going down the hill. So we go and we do that, and we're at the stand at the end where you look at your pictures, okay? And so we're looking at the pictures, and I'm just standing there, and I see my family, and I'm like, oh, that's such a beautiful family. My wife's so pretty. Look at my daughter. She's so happy. And then all of a sudden, right next to it is the picture of Tony Romo and his family. And I'm like, oh. And I literally just like, I see this picture and I'm like, babe. And I start tapping her and she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, Tony's here. I said, he's behind us. And literally, no, no joke. I'm like, he's behind us. And I look behind me and guess who's standing right here? Tony Romo was standing right behind me. And I almost went berserk. Like, I almost lost it. I actually did. I was like, oh, babe, babe, babe. And I'm grabbing her. And Tony Romo's two security guards are just looking at me like this, like, 
Don't do it, bro. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. And so I got really excited, and then I got really scared because these dudes were pretty big. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, he was behind me, and he smelled good. And <laughs> his kids were a good-looking, he's a good-looking family. I mean, they really was. And we followed them for a little bit. And the security guys kept looking back at me like, don't do it. Uh, but uh, I share that with you guys just so you guys know that I, 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 me and Tony, we're tight. So, um, no, I share that with you guys because have you ever had a moment in your life where you've just been so excited about something? that you just completely forgot about who was around you, what was going on in your life, you were just so filled with excitement, right, that you didn't know what to do with yourself, amen? Well, I want you guys to turn with me to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, and we're gonna begin reading in verse 16, and let me just kinda give you a backdrop, you guys should've known I was preaching from Romans, I've been sharing with you guys that the book of Romans has just been my summer, and if, if you have not read or if it's been a while since you've read the book of Romans, I encourage you to just dive into that thing because it will just change your life. Uh, but I need to give you a background on Romans, and, and the author of Romans is, is the Apostle Paul, and we know that Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, okay? And if, if you are taking notes, we are going to uh, have a lot of them. We're going to have a lot of scripture that we want to read. Uh, and statistics prove and show that 98% of people who take notes in church go to heaven. So I just highly recommend you take notes, okay? I don't remember where I read that from, but I, I, it's, it's true, amen? Well, anyway, uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, the Apostle Paul who is the author of the book of Romans, and quite literally, we would not be sitting, very much literally, we would not be sitting in this room right now if it had not been for the Apostle Paul, okay? And so you need to understand the importance of his ministry because his ministry was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentile, okay? And we literally would not be here if it wasn't for Paul, okay? But you also need to know before Paul was Paul, he was Saul, and he was a persecutor of the church. He killed Christians, and he had a lot of uh, things in his past that at times haunted him, okay? And so I need you to understand who Paul is before he was Paul, as Saul, and that uh, as we read this scripture, you need to understand his excitement and his joy. Is somebody, are you guys there with me in Romans chapter 1, verse 16? It says this, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, what does he mean by in it? If you're taking notes right now, he's talking about in Jesus. In the gospel, is righteousness. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want you to write those scriptures down because those scriptures are really important because if it had not been for the passion of Paul and him being unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you and I would not be here right now. But I think that what's even more important is that that contagiousness of his passion needs to be living in us. 
And my prayer is that this morning you would leave here like Paul, unashamed of your Savior, unashamed of your God, and fully understand what God, what Christ has done for you on that cross. Amen? Uh, I, I was loved. Who was here last Sunday? Who was here for Pastor Chris's sermon, All In? Amazing, talking about Elijah, okay, in uh, 2 Kings 18. But if you go to 2 Kings 19, <laughs> uh, you see that uh, right after this amazing victory that, that Elijah sees over the prophets of Baal, right, uh, Jezebel basically sends him a note, okay? And he gets this note, and Elijah begins to flee, so he not only has this great victory, he defeats the prophets of Baal, he calls fire down from heaven. We see this amazing thing happen. Then he gets this note from Jezebel, and now he's running for his life, and he actually prays a prayer, and he says, God, I want to die. Okay? So I love that because it shows us how fickle we are, that we can be so on fire and so all in one moment, but then something happens, and then we're fleeing and running and asking God why. Okay? Well, my prayer is that this scripture right here and what we talk about this morning will never cause you to run ever again. That it will never cause you to back out anymore because we are unashamed of the gospel of Christ because we understand what that means and what that is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. God, we know that you're in this place right now. And God, it's by your anointing that you are going to change us. God, I pray that this word, that these words would go out, Lord God, and that it would cut inside of us, Lord God, and that it would forever change us. God, let us not leave here the same way that we came in. Let us be changed and transformed in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. The first part I want to highlight is this. Is for, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. For it is the power of God. And if you are taking notes, this is the first thing that I want you to write down, right? First thing that I want you to write down, okay? Ready? That it is God's power at work, not yours. Write that down. That's, that's note number one. It is God's power at work and not yours. What I mean by that and, and what I'm, I'm saying in that is that 2 Corinthians 5.21, write that down. It says this, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Okay? Oscar got that on the screen? Let's break this thing down. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. If that right there doesn't create passion in your life and passion in your heart, I don't know what will. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Does that right there say anything about you? Does that right there say anything about works that you have to do, things that you've got to fix, things that you've got to work on? Does that scripture right there say anything about you working? So why do we work so hard in church for righteousness? Why do we work so hard in our relationship with God to be good? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why is it that we work and we continue to work not understanding and realizing that Jesus 
became sin so that you could become righteous. That he became the offering for your sin, right? It was by God's power, it was by God's work, not yours, that you are saved. You see, Paul understood, listen, this thing is not about me. It's not about what I've done, and I'm talking about good, bad, and ugly. Paul's like, I'm the, it's not about my work. It's not about what I've done. It's about what God did in sending Jesus Christ to be the offering for me, to be the sacrifice for me. And so we see that in the scripture that Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. Listen, you do not purchase your own righteousness. You did not work for it. You did not earn it. So why is it that once you receive it, you feel like you can lose it? That if you don't maintain some type of work, if you don't maintain some type of righteous living, that you are going to lose your salvation. I love Pastor Chris's response in our Q&A series because it was like, listen, if you understood what Jesus had done for you, if you understood that he had set you free, that he sent Jesus, right, as the offering, as the sacrifice for your sin, that thing is done and dealt with. Listen, if we're going to have the passion that Paul had, we've got to have an understanding of the gospel like Paul had. If we're going to show the world who Jesus is, we've got to have an understanding of who he is. And so Paul understood, listen, it's not about my work, it's about the work of the cross. And so listen, I would dare to venture, listen, all of you guys, everybody, one of us in this room has faced temptation. Some of you may have sinned yesterday, all right? When temptation comes and when sin comes, I want you to know that Jesus became sin so that you could become righteous. He was your offering, he was the sacrifice, and that thing has already been taken care of. Why do we have such a hard time with that though? I think the reason we have such a hard time with that is because we feel like our sin was too big or too great, right? Like we feel like what we've done What's happened in our life was too big. Well, Pastor Nate, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. And we hold on to our own shame. And we carry that. Well, I want you to understand and know that Paul had such a passion for the, for, for the gospel is because, listen, you got to understand, Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul, and he killed Christians. So you want to talk about guilt and condemnation and shame. You want to talk about carrying a weight. Paul had that. And before he could carry the gospel, before he could bring it to the Gentiles, he had to understand that that thing was done. That that thing was forgiven and that he was set free. You see, before Paul could deliver anyone, he had to first be delivered. Before Paul could set anybody else free through the gospel, he himself had to be set free. And that's why he became so passionate about the gospel, because he understood the freeing power that the gospel held. He understood that all your shame, all your guilt could be taken away. Because he himself had his own shame and his own guilt removed. 
And so he is so zealous, he's so passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's experienced it for himself. He's experienced what it's like to not only say, oh, my sins are forgiven. We can sing about it, we can talk about it, but he didn't just talk about it, he knew. Paul, the one who says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, that's not just something he preached, that's something that he lived. That's something that he had to walk out in his own heart and in his own life was that, listen, all guilt is gone, all shame is gone because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. I think it's so funny nowadays because we hear the gospel and we hear about Jesus Christ and, and, and it's so much different than past generations of the hellfire and brimstone. You know what I mean? Like I've had people come to me and they're like, Pastor Nate, you got to be harder on people. You got to tell them like it is. Tell them what their sin is and tell them they're wrong for it. Right? Anybody ever had anybody do that to you? <laughs> you sinner, go and therefore repent. Be made right before the Lord. Yeah? You got to understand that through Paul's ministry, Paul was criticized for the same thing. They said, man, Paul, you keep talking about freedom. You keep talking about God loving us unconditionally. You keep talking about us. Our guilt is no more. Our shame is no more. Listen, you, you got to be more. And he's like, listen, that's what's going to free you. So, much, so many times we focus on, on, on what we did and we focus on the mistake and we're not focused on the Savior. We're constantly focused on what we did wrong how we did it, why we did it, and how we're going to fix it instead of focusing on Jesus who had already fixed it and already dealt with it. And so Paul is so passionate about the gospel because he experienced what it was like to be set free from his shame. I pray and I hope that all of us in this room would understand what it's like to be set free from guilt and shame. Anybody in this room who's gone through a divorce, I pray that you would know it's okay. It's okay. God still loves you. For anybody in this room who struggles with addiction, hey, God still loves you. And he died for you, and that thing's been done. Stop focusing on the addiction, right? Stop focusing on the 12 steps and focus on what Jesus Christ did for you and how much he loves you. For those of you in this room who struggle inwardly, right, the thing that nobody else sees, the thing that nobody else knows about, listen, Jesus knows and he loves you. And he cares for you. And Paul had to finally get to a point where he understood, listen, the work was done by God. I don't have to work for this thing. Your justification, you being justified, was all done when Jesus Christ went to that cross. Do you understand that? You are justified by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. All you have to do is believe in faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died as an offering for your sin and accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you're free. Do you understand that? You are justified. You are right. You are righteous. You are pure. You are holy. Now, sanctification, right, which is holy living, living right, treating people right, now comes through the Holy Spirit inside of you, right, and focusing on what Jesus Christ did on the cross, walking from a position of being justified and knowing, listen, I know I keep messing up, but Jesus, he already took care of that, so what's wrong with me? Do you understand? 
I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. What am I doing? Why do I keep acting like this? Why do I keep talking like this, right? And, and not focusing in on it, but just saying, you know what, Jesus, you've already taken care of this for, for me. For me. And Paul understood that. And so Paul has this passion and this unashamed, just full on, listen, I want everybody to know because he had experienced the freedom that comes through Jesus. Listen, you may have been in this room and you may have been saved 20 or 30 years, but you've never truly been set free. Some of you in this room maybe don't know who Jesus is and you've never been set free. Well, today is the day of salvation and I'm excited that you're in here, but I need you to fully understand what Jesus Christ did on that cross. I want you guys to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And when you get there, give me an amen. It says this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore we are also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we see here in Hebrews that it's talking about laying aside your sin, laying aside your guilt, laying aside your shame, right? Well, how do I do that? Amen. Anybody ever struggle with guilt? You struggle with shame? Well, how do I deal with that? What do I do? Okay. Verse 2 gives us the answer. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to hit on this for just one minute, okay? It says that, to overcome guilt, to overcome shame, we to look at Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And it says that after Jesus finished the work on the cross, he sat down at the right, of the right hand of the Father, which is where he is sitting right now. But sometimes when we make mistakes, we feel like Jesus gets up from his throne and says, what are you doing? You ever felt like that? Jesus sat down after the work on the cross, right? He finished it. He did it. But because of our guilt, because of our shame, we feel like Jesus gets up, puts his finger in our face and says, what are you doing? Why do you keep messing up? Why do you keep screwing up? What are you doing? No, Jesus doesn't have to get up because it's already been done. My father, my savior, Jesus Christ, completed the work at the cross and he sat down. You want to talk about swag? You want to talk about confidence? Jesus said, it's done. And he sat down. Come on now. Uh. I love the Cowboys, but what I love even more, and, and I try so hard to record every game. 
And when I record the games, I tell people, don't let me know. Don't tell me. Don't, don't. But there's always that one that sends the text. Right? Are you watching this game, dude? Come on. Like, just say that. Don't say the score. Just, are you watching this game? No. Not watching the game. But there's always that one that wants to put the score in there. And so probably about, I would say, 60% of the time, I already know what the score is when I'm watching it. Okay? Now, if it's a victory while I'm watching, I feel a little better when the fumble happens. Do you understand? Like, I feel a little better when, I, when the Cowboys fumble. I'm like, it's okay because we win at the end. Right? Now, I wouldn't feel like that if I was watching it live. I would be nervous. I would be upset, right? But because I know that they win, I'm not nervous when Dak throws the interception. It's okay, right? I basically do what Jesus did, and I sit down, and I say, it's cool. They're going to win anyway. I'm good, right? Why can't we live our lives like that when it comes to our guilt and our shame? Why can't we watch it and know, and Jesus already took care of that. There's already victory. It's cool. I'm good, <laughs> right? Jesus isn't getting up off his throne, pointing you in the, and, and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, no, I already took care of that. You just, put, you just leave that alone. And some of you this morning, you need that. You need that. You need that kind of confidence. I think we as Christians are so, like, we don't, we don't have a confidence about us, right? Like, we're just like, we live our lives waiting for the next mistake to happen. Anybody else live like that? Like, at some point, I'm going to mess this whole thing up. Right? At some point, I'm just going to screw it up. Because that's my past. That's what I do. That's who I am. At some point, right, I'm going to screw it up. And we live our lives like that. Right? I, I love it, and, and it's, it's so entertaining at times to me because as Christians, we come up and we're like, we go to each other and we're like, man, brother, who's holding you accountable? Are you living right? Are you doing right? Who's there to hold you accountable, brother? Because if you don't have somebody holding you accountable, right, then you're going to fall. And you're going to fall hard. Pride cometh before a fall. You ever had somebody say that to you? And I'm like, Man, I thought I was doing okay. <laughs> thought I was good. <laughs> right? Like, it's coming. If you don't have somebody holding you accountable, the fall is coming. Listen, I need you guys to understand, number one, my, my wife would kill me if I ever did something stupid. I'm just saying, if, she, if I ever did anything stupid, she would kill me, and then my mom would bury me, would, she would uh, dig me up, and then she'd kill me again. She would. I'm just saying. Okay? But that's not what keeps me. What keeps me is my Savior. What keeps me is knowing that my, my Jesus sit, is sitting on the right hand of the Father saying, it's already done. You already win. You got this. It's okay. Amen? Some of you need to get excited about that. Because Jesus has already paid for it. He's already taken care of it, and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father just like, you got this. It's all good. Amen? Chris or Josh, whoever's coming up, I want you to come up, and uh, I want us to go to this last scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to close this thing out, and then we're going we're gonna to get set free. Anybody want to be set free this morning? Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, I wish Robert was here because I'd get him to read it. We're going to begin reading in verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and uh, it says this, note takers, 98% of heaven, come on, let's do this. Verse 8 says, for by the grace you have been what? Can we read that one more time? For by grace you have been saved. You are saved by grace, by a Savior that loved you enough to step out of heaven, take on your sin, take on your shame, take on your guilt, finish it there, then sit down and say, hey, all you got to do is believe in faith in me, and then you got victory. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, some of you need to underline, highlight that part right there. Not of yourselves. You can't save you. And guess what? God doesn't need you to save you. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't need a tag team partner to come alongside and say, okay, I'll take out the next one. Jesus doesn't need that. Jesus doesn't need you to come in and say, all right, God, I'm going to do this. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I need you to get this. So many times as a pastor and Pastor Chris and anybody in leadership would would get this. So many times I've sat down with people who are just, what's my purpose? What's my destiny? What am I here for? Many of you in this room right now have asked the same question. What am I here for? What's my purpose? And it's right here. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared when? Beforehand. What I love about that scripture right there is that God already planned and prepared my destiny beforehand. Now here's the amazing thing about my God and my Savior is that he did it, he prepared it knowing the mistakes that I would make. Ooh. Do you understand God is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end? He knew everything that you would do and he still prepared beforehand a purpose a destiny and a plan and all you have to do is walk in freedom in Christ Jesus and God will your that's your destiny and your freedom your destiny is to be living set free
Your purpose is to be living free. Your purpose is to be free. Because if you were free, the people around you would see your freedom and they would want to know, hey, what is it about you? What's different? What's going on in you? And I want to know it because I, I'm bound, I'm defeated, I'm broken, and you seem to be something different. And it's the freedom that Christ has given you over your guilt, over your shame that Paul had and that we too have because of what Jesus did on that cross. And so this morning, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to stand to your feet. And you know what? No, if you want to be free, just come join me at the altar right now. We're not even going to waste. We're just going to come straight to the altar. If you're experiencing any form of guilt, shame, condemnation, brokenness, I want you to come to this altar right now. If you don't understand what Jesus Christ has done for you on this cross. I want you to come to this altar right now and I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. If you don't understand purpose, if you don't understand what you were created for, come to this altar, lift your hands because you were created and designed to be free. God created it that way in the garden and sin came in and God restored it through Jesus Christ. So just lift your hands because you're free. I'm lifting mine. And I want you to receive Jesus this morning. Father, we thank you this morning that you send your son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for our sin. That, God, we don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it, God. It is ours. Let us receive true freedom, God. Freedom from our guilt, freedom from our shame. And let us know that the work, the finished work of the cross is enough. It's good enough. And let us walk in that and let us live in that. Let others see that in us. God, let us not live another day in defeat because of our sin. We have victory because of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, God, that you would just begin to break those chains, Lord God, that we've, we've worn for so long, Lord God, tying us to our sin, tying us to our shame, tying us to our guilt. Begin to break those in the name of Jesus, Lord God. bowed and eyes closed. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, I want you to lift your hand right now. If you've never experienced the freedom of Jesus, if you've never experienced a Savior like Jesus, I want you to lift your hand and we're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus to come into our hearts, into our lives. Father, we thank you this morning that you sent Jesus to die. God, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came in the form of a man to be the offering, to be the sacrifice for my sin, Lord God. So Lord, I put all my guilt, all my shame on that cross and it's finished, it's done because of what Jesus did. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, overcoming and defeating sin and death, Lord God, that I am alive and that I'm free because of what Jesus 
has done. If you believe that, say amen.